0: welcome to the first episode of the second decade of the Berkey guide podcast we have several episodes planned between now and race day so keep your feed subscribed and tell your friends on today's podcast, we talk crossword construction with the creator of the Birch Scrolls Berkey Crossword Puzzle, Wesley Rogers. The Berkey Guide Podcast is brought to you by Pioneer Midwest Race Wax Service. You have a lot to worry about before the Berkey. Training, travel, bib pickup, how much pasta to eat, how many gels to bring and staple to your bib, how much to dilute your Gatorade before the race, whether to throw some whiskey in so that it doesn't freeze, waxing your skis, making sure you have the right wind briefs, and whether you'll move up a wave this year, and probably more. Most of this is up to you, but do you really want to haul your whole wax setup up to Berkey land, and spend the night before the race losing sleep and inhaling wax particulates? Let me tell you about my experience using a race wax service. Gone are the days of having to have a full wax box of expensive sprays and powders and rills and hoping that you have the right one for race day. Gone are the days of gas masks and roto corking the night before the race. For something you might only use a few times a season, it's much more efficient to use a race wax service. They have access to more wax, better equipment, and face it, they're probably better trained at applying the wax than you are too. This year, Pioneer Midwest is offering Berkey Guide podcast listeners $5 off their race wax service if you use the code PODCAST at checkout. Pioneer Midwest is owned by Matt Liebge, a former Berkey champion and high-level racer. Uh, He was on the podium last year. So whatever's good enough for his skis is probably more than good enough for yours. You might not be as fast as he is, but your skis certainly should be. So whether you're gunning for the podium, the elite wave, or just to be that friend of yours, you keep finishing just behind, check out Pioneer Midwest Raves Wax Service at PioneerMidwest.com. And remember to use the promo code PODCAST for $5 off. If you read the Birch scroll cover to cover and you're a Berkey skier, so you read the Birch Scroll cover to cover, you may have noticed last year that there was a crossword puzzle. And uh it was the first time I think that there's been a crossword puzzle in the Berkey. And you know, you sort of think that, oh, you're gonna see a crossword puzzle and it's gonna be sort of what you'd see in a, a, a grade school classroom. But this was a bona fide fifteen by fifteen crossword, like you might see in the New York Times. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, it was made by a New York Times crossword constructor, and we have her with us today. Leslie Rogers, thanks for coming on the Berkey Guide podcast.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: And I should say that not only is there a connection through a Berkey Guide podcast, but we're your friends of my cousin and another friend who's a friend of... So many, many connections, none of which are through the Berkey, but you're also a Berkey skier, and that's where the podcast, the, podcast, the crossword, came from. Yep. I guess the first question is like, where did, where did crosswords, how did crosswords come into your life?
1: Um, I've always been solving. My mom used to solve, or she still does solve, taught me to solve when I was a kid. We would do them, you know, on airplanes, family trips. Um, And then a few years ago, I learned that there's an app that the New York Times has for their crosswords, which has all this data and gamifies it. So, of course, I tried to get a lot better at solving to get my average times down. And in doing that, I found out that there's these blogs online that write about crosswords. And they taught me that anyone can submit a crossword to the New York Times and to most um, other venues, too. Um, You don't have to be on staff. And so I... That always stood out to me as something that I was like, oh, maybe I could start doing that. Uh, I also saw a lot of statistics. It's actually very few women construct crosswords. The New York Times was about uh, 20% of their crosswords have been constructed by women under the tenure of Will Schwartz. And so that was another motivator for me was saying, like, you know, I can do that, I can raise that number a little bit. So I found some awesome mentors. And co-constructed a puzzle with my first mentor, um, Andrea Carla michaels She's um, written uh, probably about 60 or 70 crosswords for the New York Times. So she helped uh, walk me through the process. Uh, Then I constructed another one, called a couple other mentors, um, Robin Weintraub and um, Peter Wentz. They helped talk me through the process. And then um, since then, I've been constructing on my own.
0: Cool, and the original editor of the uh, crossword was a woman, Margaret Farrer. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it. Um, the contributors used to be. Um, it used to be a more even gender split, and then um, when software became a big part of constructing, and there, there's a lot of um, theories on why the percentage of women contributors went down. Um, some think it's the rise of software, but um, not sure.
0: So, uh, well, I'm glad that you're you're. Bucking that trend and getting into it, um, <laughs> what do you? How do you construct? So, how many crossword puzzles have you constructed that you've had published in in venues like the New York Times and elsewhere?
1: Um, so, I just got it started, um, basically a year ago. So, I've had two in the New York Times. It's a really long time frame. You submit it uh, three or four months later, you hear back, and then anywhere from a couple months to well over a year later, it gets published. Um, so you know, people will have several in the queue. So I've had two published in the New York Times. I've um, been commissioned to do a MIDI, like, 9 by 9 puzzle for them. I have one coming up in Los Angeles Times. But, of course, I had the uh, one in the Birch Scroll, <laughs> most important and of all.
0: that's really what's important. Mm-hmm. If you I, – I was – they post – my office they post – it's a co-working space and they post a uh, New York Times on a whiteboard. And I know I looked at it and it had your name on it. So I guess I, we sort of got lucky that day that they happened to post it that day. Mm-hmm. Um as a couple of weeks ago, the big clue in the middle, which maybe there's a word for it. One of the fifteen, the ones that goes all across, grid the spanner. Was the which one, What's it called?
1: Grid spanner because it grid spans spanner. the width of the grid. Mm-hmm. All right,
0: the grid spanner was um, polar bear plunge, which I really liked as a as a uh, as as a as a well as a as a word. So it was a, a fun <laughs> puzzle to solve. Solve. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so. What it, walk me through how you would just gen, in general how you create a, a a crossword puzzle sort of what the process is of coming up with the grid coming up with the words all of all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Um... So I guess you want to figure out how big you want it to be. Standard puzzles, 15 by 15 squares. Uh, New York Times Sunday and some other venues have 21 by 21 squares. You can also do smaller ones. Um, like the New York Times offers some 9 by 9s and 5 by 5s. Uh, generally, you're going to start with 15 by 15. And then the uh, next thing is, do you want it to have a theme or do you want there to be no theme? So like the Times uh, Sunday through Thursday have themes and then Friday and Saturday typically don't have themes. Uh, um so a lot of people will start with a theme puzzle this one the Berkey one was sort of sort of the I treated it as a themed one um so you pick your theme answers those are generally nine to fifteen letters long you probably want like about three to five of them in most cases and they need to be symmetrical because most crosswords have 180 degree rotational symmetry so that means if there's a black square you know Near the top, two two rows over, three columns down, there's going to be a corresponding black square in the bottom right corner of the grid as well. So your entries of your um, theme answers have to match up. If if two of your theme answers are 10 letters and 12 letters, the other two have to also be 10 letters and 12 letters long. Um, You place your theme answers um, for technical reasons. Generally, they uh, start in row four because if they start in row one, two, or three, that forces some really long non-theme answers as well. Um, And you try to space them out with as much blank space in between them as you can. Um, And then from there, you'd put the black squares in. Um, Generally, you want um, no more than about 78 entries um, for a theme puzzle. And then maybe about 16 to 18% of your squares are going to be black squares. And then you do the fill, which is all the rest of the words that are not theme. You put all those letters in. And then once you're satisfied with it, then you write the clues.
0: All right. And is it something where you do all of the, is it always the same person does the themes and the clues and the fill? Or sometimes do you hand that off between people?
1: Yeah. Collaboration is really common. A lot of puzzles are um, collaborations. And so those can be done different ways. Um, When I collaborated with Andrea, we talked about the theme back and forth via a lot of emails till we settled on it. Um, And then we were actually physically in the same location. So we were able to get together and work on the fill together um, and then hand the clues off. Um, I've done a collaboration where, you know, I I fill in a quarter of the letters of the grid and then pass it off. My collaborator does another quarter and back and forth. Some people maybe feel they're stronger on the theme and stronger on the clues and someone else might be stronger on the technical um, execution. And so they'll split it up um, that way.
0: And the filler where we get all the fun little three-word answers like the cardinal direction from Cable of Hayward, <laughs> uh-huh. which is ESE or SSW or whatever that might right. be.
1: <laughs> That's good. I should put that in the fuzzle.
0: Yeah, well, well maybe next time. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did, how did you decide, oh, I want to do this for the Berkey?
1: Uh, we were at the Berkey last year and saw the participation, um, like, handbook that they hand out, um, and it had a word search in it. Um, so just a grid of letters and you have to look for the hidden words. And so my friends who I are on my ski team are all very supportive of my crossword habits and they're all big solvers too. And so we saw the word search and we're like, you know, it's better than a word search crossword puzzle. And so while we were at the Berkey last year, we started brainstorming like what that would look like, what our, you know, quote unquote theme answers would be. Um, and then when we got home, I started actually constructing it.
0: And constructing a sort of the Berkey-themed puzzle, and, and in addition to the, the the grid spanners, the longer clues that had a lot of other sort of... some of the, as much of the fill as possible was Berkey or Berkey-related, or at least the clue was. Was it easier, harder, or about sort of the same to construct as a, uh, a more general population um, crossword?
1: Yeah, it was easier in some ways, harder in other ways. Um, I let myself... Uh, Relax the technical constraints you would have on a normal crossword. I did more more words, 80 words, rather than um, 78, and a lot more blocks, 46 blocks, rather than normally you would have fewer than 40 uh, blocks or black squares, and so that makes it easier to fill, um, but at the same time, I restricted myself on the possible words that could go in there a lot more, because I didn't want... Anything. I assume that the solving audience for the birch scroll uh, doesn't have as much of a back- crossword background, so I didn't want to turn off solvers with any word that they just wouldn't know. Whereas in a general crossword, you can get away with some answers. Um, you know, like There's a shrinking C in Asia called ARAL, A-R-A-L, that you could just put in there, and most people will know it because they've solved a lot of crosswords that have that in there. Uh, I didn't want to put anything like that in the Berkey crossword, so that limited me a lot.
0: You know, some of us are geography nerds, too, and still know it's, about the yeah. <laughs> Um Now, you mentioned that this was part of your ski team. Can you quickly describe, I think we might actually try to do a podcast because I just sort of love the concept, describe what your ski team is and, and, and how, you, how it all works.
1: Yeah, so the team is Aloha Nordic. We're based in San Francisco. We like to call ourselves San Francisco's premier uh, Nordic ski team. Uh, As far as I know, we're the only one. Stanford does have a Nordic ski team, so we can't claim that we're the best in the Bay Area. Um, But we are San Francisco's premier. We formed, I think, in about the 2015 to 2016 season. I'd say it mainly started as a group of friends. Um, I joined pretty early on. And um, we've expanded a lot, which has been a mix of friends and friends of friends who are athletic, Uh, you know, a lot of xd one athletes who want to find their new sport, and then also uh, cross-country skiers who have moved to San Francisco and are looking for a community. So we've, we've expanded to a lot of people who weren't connected by friends at all, but are just connected by the sport. Um, and so we um, carpooled a to Tahoe together because that's the closest place to ski is uh, three hours on a good, good day, many more hours on a bad day, um, participate in pretty much all the local Tahoe races and then get a big group together to travel to the Berkey.
0: And the Berkey is sort of the be-all and end all the the reason reason d'etre for the club it sounds.
1: Yeah, it's what we look forward to all year and it's um a really good motivation for training.
0: And the last time it snowed in San Francisco was like eighty years ago or something. <laughs> so it's what do you what what do you wind up doing in uh in the city itself?
1: Yeah, I think Mount Diablo can maybe occasionally get a dusting, but definitely not enough to ski. Um so yeah, some people are into roller skiing. Um Personally, I found biking to be helpful, Um, you know, for those of us whose Berkey times are in the, you know, four plus hour range. um, Biking is a good way to exercise for that many hours and learn, you know, what kind of fueling your body needs and what it feels like to work hard for that long. Um, I do gym workouts, targeting um, skiing muscles. Uh, People build their cardio base, however, running, hiking. Um, We really just improvise make do
0: and then it's I'm sure it's also a social club as well um way for people to to be connected (laughs) yeah of course Mm -hmm. and aloha nordic you're not in hawaii where did the name come from
1: um no but we do get that question a lot (laughs) um I'm not sure I think you'd have to talk to one of our founders about that like to embody the aloha spirit
0: we might just have to do that yeah so, how's your race prep going? How are the ski conditions in California this year?
1: It's actually been great. Um, I went, I was home this past weekend, but before that, I went skiing four weekends in a row with a lot of long weekends. And I'm heading back to Tahoe this weekend and next weekend. Um, so, this is probably the most preparation I've gotten. The first year I did the Berkey, I think I skied about seven days before doing it. And last year, maybe 10 or so days. And I've already gotten more than that this year. So, um, Things are looking good. We've been getting big team cabins. Um, I think tomorrow it's supposed to dump about 20 inches in Tahoe and then clear up for the weekend. So we're pretty excited for that.
0: Wow. So that's probably more snow than the Berkey really has ever gotten in <laughs> a single dump. And that's that's normal for up there.
1: Um, yeah, we've got some big powder days.
0: So in the last couple of years when we've had really soft conditions and everyone's, you know, thinking about how soft it is, you sort of look at that and say, this is, this is typical. We know what, what <laughs> we're doing in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, and you were, when you creating the, the crossword, it was a, a sort of a team effort. How, how many of your teammates helped you out with that?
1: Yeah, so when we were um, brainstorming the idea to do the crossword, um, especially my one teammate, um, Fanny helped out, figure out um, what the long answers would be. In this case, that was the Lake Hayward, Birchlegger, Berkabiner, and Lil Hammer was realizing that all of those were the same number of letters and could be placed symmetrically. Um, and then it was pretty much... Um, my entire giant ski team. So, uh, six of us did the giant ski at the Berkey last year. Um, everyone helped brainstorm. So, the way that uh, crossword construction software works is it input. The input is a word list. So, you have this scored list of words and entries that you might want to put in a crossword, and then how good you think they are. And then the software will tw- will um, suggest different words to put in the different spaces. And so um, my teammates all helped brainstorm a list of several hundred words that could possibly go in a crossword, you know, words like glide and grip that have to do with um, waxes or relay has to do with skiing, any water, anything we could think of that was vaguely skiing related and not that many um, letters long. So my teammates, you know, Allison, Kalina, Karin, Fanny, Bronwyn all helped me out with that. And then they also helped me out with um, test solving a bunch and keeping me honest, making sure I didn't put anything that would be too hard in there.
0: And given that everyone has seen this uh, crossword and hopefully some people have solved it, do you think there might be another Berkey crossword in the future?
1: <laughs> um, I'd consider it. It's a um, it's it's a fair, reasonable amount of work, but it was a lot of fun. I'd have to come up with a, a new angle on it to do it again.
0: Some 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 different spanners, obviously, and, uh, mm-hmm. and maybe some different words. Well, um, hopefully that is something that that we can do. But if not, uh, look out for your crosswords in the places less glorious and exciting than the Birch Scroll like (laughs) the Los Angeles Times and New York Times. And, you know, keep on solving. And uh, thanks very much for coming on the podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks again, Leslie, for talking crosswords with us. And you can check out her puzzles and newspapers like the New York Times. If you go to berkeyguide.com, we've posted last year's crossword in case you missed it in the birch scroll and want to have a go at completing it yourself. It shouldn't be too hard for a seasoned Berkey skier. Thanks again to Pioneer Midwest for offering their race wax service to Berkey Guide podcast listeners. And remember that they provide the service not just for the Berkey, but at other major races in the Midwest as well. Again, use the code podcast to save at pioneermidwest.com. Also, as we head towards race day, we want to hear from you. In addition to the post-race podcasting extravaganza, which producer emeritus Sam Evans-Brown said something along the lines of, for God's sake, edit this down about. We'd like you to record your own post-day reactions. Email them to us, and we'll compile them into a short summer episode, or maybe multiple, which we'll drop hopefully throughout the year. It'll give you a bit of a taste of the Berkey in those warm summer months. Stay tuned to the podcast or the website for more details. Our music is from Blue Dot Sessions from the Free Music Archive. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you soon.